Soaring in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, your soft tissue specialist, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select patron page in the top menu bar. Hello, and thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells. Dr. Wells is a chiropractic physician with a passion to help individuals reach new levels in health and wellness. He has been involved in the health and wellness field for over 30 years. Dr. Wells received his Bachelor of Science degree from Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with an emphasis in health and exercise science. He received his second Bachelor of Science degree in general sciences, along with his Doctor of Chiropractic degree with honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. Soaring in Health and Wellness is a tool to help educate individuals reach new levels in health and wellness and a passion to live with a sense of purpose and vitality. Dr. Wells and his guests, ranging from doctors from all areas of healthcare to educators, nurses, personal trainers, counselors, and pastors, will discuss and inform you on how to improve all dimensions of wellness from a biblical worldview perspective with one goal in mind, seeing you soar towards optimal health and wellness. If you're ready, let's get started with today's program with your host, Dr. Steve Wells. Welcome to another edition of Soaring Health and Wellness. Today's guest is Pastor Dan Stevens. Uh, Pastor Stevens pastors a church family at Bible Baptist in Parkersburg. He has a passion for preaching and teaching God's Word and an equal passion to serve people. So welcome to the program, Pastor Dan. Hey, thank you, Steve. It's good to be here. Good. If you could uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, let our listeners know who you are and where you're from. Well, I've been... uh happily married for 36 years and um, my wife and I uh, enjoy living here in Parkersburg. I uh, started off as a youth pastor 38 years ago and uh, I grew up in, in South Florida and then we also uh, did youth ministry in Western New York, upstate New York and uh, then uh, and also did senior pastorate and then we came here 16 years ago and uh, focus on being involved in the community as well as mm-hmm. I have four children, four adult children and two grandchildren. And uh, so... Uh, keeps you pretty busy. It keeps me very busy, but ex- <laughs> excited you right. know, about that and how God is blessed. Great. Well, I tell you what, uh, uh, Pastor Dan's a friend of mine, uh, a good friend of mine. So I tell you what, um, Pastor Dan, what we've been doing for this past month basically is the National Winners for Suicide Awareness Month. Is the month of September. And we've had um, speakers, pretty much we started with uh, anti-bullying uh, with my brother David, who goes into the school system talking about anti-bullying. But also we had Dr. Stephen Givens and Michael Moore basically talking about suicide, depression. And so we're going to be closing our our, um, our series uh, with today's topic. And today's topic basically uh, comes from uh, the book, Grace for the Afflicted, and we've been using Grace for the Afflicted by Dr. Stanford pretty much to this whole entire month. And uh, in his chapters like that with the suicide, basically he talks about is suicide an unforgivable sin? I guess another question is, is do you lose your salvation if you commit suicide is something that I've kind of thought about as far as that. Uh, any any suggestions on that or any input on that as far as just yeah. right out of the gate? I think that we, as we approach it, uh, as far as from my position as a pastor in the trenches, so to speak, is that uh, we understand that the scripture is absolute truth and God's opinion is really all that really matters. And life is precious and is valuable. And, uh, and, and suicide is a serious sin 
you know, Exodus 20, 13, you shall not murder. But it can be forgiven as any other sin because we've been affected in every area of the fall, uh, affected uh, our mind, body, and soul. And uh, what it says in the scripture clearly in the book of Colossians, for instance, in verses thir- chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, that those of us that have been redeemed can be forgiven of all of our sins, both mm-hmm. past, present, and future. And then uh, the Apostle Paul also speaks about the fact that in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39, which many people are very familiar with, it, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So if a true Christian would commit suicide in a time of extreme weakness or distress, he or she would be received into heaven. I mean, uh, Jude 24 clearly speaks about that. Uh, so that is... That is, I think, biblical, Um, but there is an honest question that many people ask about faith, people of faith who take their lives and, uh, or even consider consider suicide seriously. And it may be that they have never been truly saved. And how can I say such a statement like that? Well, because God's children uh, are defined repeatedly in scripture, those who have hope and purpose in life. And uh, we find that in Romans chapter 5, you know, it talks about mm-hmm. hope that we have in Christ and uh, Romans eight twenty eight, uh, God works all things together uh, for good, those who are called according to his purpose. So there is the hope and the purpose in Christ. And uh, so the question needs to come as we wrestle with these individuals who are struggling with it. First of all, we need to give, we need to treat them with grace, mm-hmm. um, which is Dr. Stanford does an excellent job, mm-hmm. which I'd like to put a plug in for that book. Uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's, I really think everybody, every pastor, every person that has a family member, loved one, or even themselves going through some type of mental health issue really needs to have this book on their, on their, on their uh, library, in their library. So forth, because it's an excellent source, so forth. Right, and I, I think not only in their library, but I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, in fact, you introduced the book to me mm-hmm. well over a year ago, and I find it as a very valuable tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, there are some of us in the pastorate, uh, evangelical pastors, who have approached suicide uh, or mental illness mm-hmm. as you just got to buck up, you're not right. having enough faith, you right. just uh, but in reality, that's just not true. Right. I tell you what, I want to, um, for those listeners who basically um, don't have really a strong foundation in Bible or religion or um, things like that, I want to kind of uh, talk about more or less as far as the wholeness aspect. Okay, kind of explain that, lay the groundwork. Um, I'm a graduate from Oral Roberts University, and of course, and that's where I first came across as far as the whole person uh, philosophy or teaching, and it's basically person, uh, spirit, mind, and body, so forth. And uh, basically, wholeness is the state of being perfectly well in body, soul, mind, which includes your mind, will, and emotions, and spirit. And uh, God's original design for man before sin entered the world through the fall, which you were talking about before, it's like that, Correct. of Adam, and now attainable only when one's body's in heaven after the second coming of Jesus. And I get that basically through faithandhealthconnection.org. So God's original design for man is perfect wholeness. And it says in Genesis 2, 7, the Bible tells us that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. But the big thing is, um, as far as I feel like a lot of um, 
uh, discrepancy type deal as far as where they'd be in the uh, church realm or something like that. You know, we can understand when that fall, and you comment on it, please, um, when that fall as far as when Adam and Eve sinned, so forth, um, basically it separated us from the spirit realm as far as God type deal. Can oh, yeah. Good? Absolutely. It separated us from the spirit realm, uh, broke the relationship with our Heavenly Father, but there was also the consequences, and the consequences were, is that our body and our minds and our emotions would all be affected too. Um, you can see that pretty quickly, even in the first uh, few chapters following in the book of Genesis there. And so there's the the uh, the curse that's upon uh, our flesh. You know, there wasn't death before. Uh, chapter 5 of Genesis talks about, and they died and they died and they died and uh, and so there is you're totally uh, correct in that assumption and I believe it to be truth absolute is that we must we must approach ministry we must approach dealing with people as a whole person it's not mm-hmm. just the spiritual it is the body it is the mind and uh, so that is that is critical. All right, I tell you, it's basically you know again as we've talked about uh, recently, as far as Adam and Eve when they sin, uh, the the perfect design of man was destroyed. Right. Originally created in the image of God, this image became marred. And as we can see, basically uh, in Romans five fifteen through seventeen, that the spirit of man or spirit of person who has not been saved is dead. So what was once a perfectly knitted and intact spirit, mind, and body became imperfect. Um, and each of us were born into this world as flawed and imperfect, no matter how hard that may seem to believe when you look at a newborn. Okay, like how can this affect this little one here? Hmm. But here it says, each of us were born in the world as flawed and imperfect, uh, beings which we inherited from Adam and Eve. Uh, again, basically, as far as one might ask, as far as, um, you know, again, Mental illness. Uh, Dr. Stanford opens up this chapter noting that suicide is a word that provokes fear, shame, and sadness. Some have called suicide a selfish act and a permanent answer to a temporary problem. He continues to note that both of these statements wrongly imply that suicide is a reason and rational decision to take one's life. Since its beginning, the church has struggled with understanding the spiritual consequences of suicide at times even refusing burial or religious rights to the victims because they were taught to have committed an unforgivable mortal sin, damning to hell. And Dr. Stamford explains that suicide is neither reason nor rational, and mental illness is the most common cause. Um, you know, if you look at the statistics as far as mental illness, one out of four adults, one out of five children are affected in some way mm. with mental illness. So as I've mentioned to you in, in church and you've read also that um, 25% of our congregation, whether we know it or not, is affected with some sort, whether it be depression, anxiety, so forth. Um, but anyway, but the, the thing is as far as what causes the mental illness, and you were talking about as far as uh, pretty much, um, and we, as we mentioned before, uh, mental illness is no respecter person so forth um, you know whether you be saved whether, you, whether you're a preacher you had talked to me earlier about a friend of yours that you knew so forth so right. could you elaborate on that yeah it's uh, dealing in the trenches and uh, you, you kind of uh, get this naive idea at least I did when I first came out of college is that um, 
once you come to Christ, everything's together. Uh, but you tr you quickly learn that uh, people, all the different experiences, all different types of uh, difficulties in life, uh, physical abuse, substance abuse, um, upbringing, how they were brought up, how they were not brought up. Um, but particularly uh, what you're referring to is a pastor, um, and I'll just simply refer to him as Reverend Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a loving family, he had children, he had a loving congregation, but he was constantly dealing with uh, feelings of suicide. And uh, he got good uh, medical and mental help as far as those that were trying to help him, medication and such. And after years of constantly dealing with they, they let down their guard and uh, he was still in the ministry and uh, perhaps it was the stresses, it was uh, perhaps it just, I, I don't know, guilt, but uh, he went to the local hardware store and uh, purchased some rope and his son, his teenage son, found him in the stairway uh, behind the baptistry, uh, hanging from the, mm -hmm. one of the rafters there. And and interesting thing, in oh. fact, if you read Dr. Stanford's book, he also has an example in there. But the whole community in this instance too, of uh, Reverend Smith, they all came out. They all came out for his funeral and uh, said what a loving, uh, great example, good impact in the community. And his family just had a hard time. But his wife said this. She said that he had talked about it so much that we were not surprised when it took place. As much as that everybody tried to help him and tried to encourage him and reinforce him. And that's one of the things that we need to realize is that we have to work so diligently with these folks and take it very, very seriously. Mm. And it's affecting our, our culture so strongly. Uh, so we've got to encourage people that they are, they're not odd, mm -hmm. they're not weird, mm -hmm. uh, that we can understand and we need to reach out to them and get them the help that they need in every way. Right. I tell you what, um, there's an article um, basically by Edward Rogers, De The Defects of Mental Illness on Families Within Faith Communities. And this is from Mental Health, Religion, and Culture. It says, the simple fact is that Christians develop mental illness at the same rate seen in the general population. Mm. Wow. It's like that. And you ask yourself pretty much, what? so what causes mental disorders? Well, Dr. Stanford does a great job on this, and I think that's something that we should point out as well. Um, basically, uh, he mentions that mental disorders result from a complex interaction of biological nature and environmental nurture factors. And Dr. Stephen Givens and Michael Moore and I spoke on this uh, on a previous podcast. It says, basically, all people are born with differing degrees of biological vulnerabilities or predispositions for developing mental health difficulties and disorders. He continues to note that some individuals have a greater set of biological vulnerabilities than others. Having a biological predisposition toward developing a mental disorder is not enough by itself to trigger the illness. Instead, an individual's biological vulnerability must interact with stressful life events such as trauma, loss of a job, loved one, child, spouse, in order to prompt the onset of the illness. The greater the underlying biological vulnerability an individual is born with, the less stress is needed to trigger the onset of the illness and vice versa. 
Until this critical level of life stress has been reached, people will generally function normally and their biological vulnerability will remain hidden. And this is one of the reasons it's so important to manage your stress in a very positive way. You know, I tell you, last week um, I had a... Um, I had an individual come in and we were talking and so forth and um, they were um, traveling across the country and a 20 year old um, joined the forces so forth Air Force and um, ended up committing suicide Mm. 20 years old Mm. so forth Um, the thing is is that a year earlier his dad was killed in an accident was hit by a semi-truck and was killed and so forth and so it's it's those things you know how much can you take and how much can you tolerate so forth i don't know if, if he was a believer but you wonder how you know i mean that would just be so crucial that type of event to that actually affect so again we're all kind of born but you know until we reach that stress so that's why it's so important i believe it's like that as far as just Two factors I think that are important too is that, again, uh, Dr. Stanford's uh, book, and I'm not getting paid any royalties to recommend it. (laughs) Neither am I, but (laughs) Uh, it's just an excellent, um, biblically sound. Okay, for those of you that are pastors out there, uh, may I say to you that uh, I believe in the absolute authority of the scriptures, and and so does uh, Dr. Stanford, and he comes from a very solid biblical background training and uh, so uh, it's not uh, smoke and mirrors that he's sharing uh, and it is what one of the things that's important is he shares that it's 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 good to check into the DSM-5 mm-hmm. uh, that is the that is the manual that helps as far as different diagnosis mm-hmm. and different uh, observations that you can make that have been uh, mm-hmm. pinpointed he also makes a statement, too, that I think is valuable for us to consider, is that there is a tendency, too, for those who um, have family members who have committed suicide or have had suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. that they're more apt to having those tendencies uh, in their children and mm-hmm. their, even their uh, other descendants. I'm not sure I understand all that, but uh, the statistics certainly play out that way. Where it's, it's the heritability. Uh, we talked about that uh, on a previous podcast with actually Dr. Uh, actually Michael Moore was talking about that, and as well as Dr. Givens. Um, as far as the uh, heritability, uh, having a family member, again, increases the, the likelihood and the risk. Uh, we talked about the risk factors as well as the, um, you know, the... Um, warning signs mm. so forth and you mentioned earlier communication is, is huge and uh, we kind of come up with you know again if someone's talking about it or even mentions it you know it's it's in the back of your mind you really need to be taking that serious because you just never know when so if maybe it's that cry for help that they're asking for so forth so never don't ever be afraid to ask that that tough question um, right. you know you you're in a position like that where you you're dealing with um, members of your body, members of the community that are in grief. Um, you know, so it's... Um, yeah, it's grief, very, very uh, major difficult. events like that. I do know that uh, for uh, the average person, one of the things that you need to look at when there is a situation like this is that um, some just some warning signs, and I think uh, uh, Dr. Givens and uh, Michael Moore shared last week perhaps, but remove accessibility to do harm in mm-hmm. any way. 
uh, diet, exercise, and sleep is a critical, <laughs> critical aspect of that. And again, we we automatically say, well, make sure that they get positive family support. But I'd like to interject that they may not be getting good positive family support. Assume that you as a friend who sees that, that you need to step in and be committed to help. And it's it's not a short term. It's got to be a long term commitment. And yes, it's a sacrifice, but it's very important because that person needs to know that they're valuable. And right. that helps. Right. It's one of those, uh, remember um, Dr. Stanford again, as far as the facets or the facets, mm-hmm. you know, as far as spirit, mind, body. We also talked about relational, you know. Um, you know, God put on earth for us to have a relationship, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, and so forth. Uh, so relationships are very important. Putting, getting yourself involved in a church body, uh, surrounding yourself with friends, you know, uh, family. It's all interacted, and it basically interacts. You know, we're talking about as far as wellness goes. You know, we talk about the components of wellness as far as um, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, so forth. Uh, for someone to be basically optimally healthy and well, you know, they had to have a basically a balance in all those aspects because one affects the other. And you talked about um, exercise and nutrition so forth is so important as well type deal but i tell you what we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to continue our concession um our discussion on is basically uh, about suicide and unforgettable sin and so forth soaring in health and wellness is brought to you by mountaineer chiropractic your soft tissue specialist located at 2108 camden avenue suite d parkersburg west virginia for more information go online to mountaineerchiro.com if you'd like to be a sponsor or help support soaring in health and wellness podcast please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select patron page in the top menu bar welcome back to soaring health and wellness Today's guest is Pastor Dan Stevens, and our discussion today is basically is uh, regarding um, Dr. Stanford's book, uh, Grace for the Afflicted, and in the chapter, basically, we're talking about a suicide and an unforgivable sin, or, you know, do you lose your salvation if you do commit suicide? And um, anyway, so we're just continuing that conversation with Pastor Dan, and if we're looking at basically Dr. Stanford notes that while both Jewish and Christian traditions consider suicide a serious sin... There is no direct prohibition of suicide in either the Old Testament or New Testament. He continues to explain that in Judaism, those who take their own lives are not entitled to Jewish burial and mourning rites. He continues in the Talmud, the ancient Jewish rabbis based the prohibition against suicide on Genesis 9, verses 5 through 6, in which says, Surely for your life blood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it. And from the hand of man... From the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. This interpreted to mean, I will require your blood if you yourselves shed it. Dr. Stanford continues to mention to individual St. Augustine, he brings up, which is perhaps the most influential church father in Western Christianity. He notes that St. Augustine considered suicide a sin that violated the sixth commandment. You shall not murder, Exodus twenty thirteen. The other one that he mentioned is Thomas Aquinas, the 13th century theologian and philosopher. He notes that Thomas Aquinas built upon this line of thinking, thinking by arguing that suicide was a sin because life is God's gift and only God has the right to take it away. Thomas Aquinas based his thoughts on Deuteronomy thirty two thirty nine. It is I who put to death and give life. 
Dr. Stanford continues to explain that Aquinas' argument for the sinfulness of suicide is further strengthened by 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Yeah, I would uh, certainly agree with that uh, because it's uh, it's God's word. And and there's another one in Ezekiel that says, All souls are mine and they shall return to me. So there's an aspect of stewardship. Uh, the, the gift, the precious gift, the most gracious gift that God has given us is life. And uh, it's valuable. And though I think it's, uh, it's possible for a true believer to commit suicide, and uh, yet it is very unusual for occurrence for a genuine believer because of that faith and that purpose that they have, the hope that they have. However, um, to, with all of these that we've seen, uh, as Dr. Stanford says, these are sensible interpretations of the scripture, and uh, particularly in relation to suicide. And uh, so there's one important caveat that I think that needs to be mentioned, and that is that... Um, uh, that they all assume that suicide is a reasonable choice that they've made, a reasoned act or freely chosen. And many times we find, at least the people that I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. there, there is mental illness. Mm-hmm. And uh, those of us in the, uh, the pulpits are preaching, we've got to come to a realization is that just like... Um, you can be a spiritual person and you can have uh, you know, have a physically good body, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee of that. Uh, our bodies wear down. You can love the Lord with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind and might, and yet your heart can fail. You can have high cholesterol. You can have uh, liver disease, all these things. And it, it is just simply because of the curse that is mm-hmm. upon us as we groan, all creation groans. But I think that we need to also make that step is I've had to learn is that just as there are medical doctors for our physical body, there is also needs to be professionals, uh, healthcare professionals, mm-hmm. me- mental health professionals that deal with our mental mm-hmm. and emotional health. We're finding uh, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome um, or disorder is widely uh, affecting many of our military that are coming mm-hmm. back from the, the wars that we've been in for over, nearly 20 years. We find uh, a number of, of stressors. We find substance abuse mm-hmm. that affects that. And so I think that we really need to uh, be honest and say we don't understand all of it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to look to those that have studied this and understand it. And so I think what Dr. Stanford mentions here is that uh, mental illness does have a huge role to play in suicide and that needs to be tackled very seriously and very um uh, i think uh, very uh, thoughtfully right i tell you what he um, he also mentions basically uh that the scriptural arguments that uh thomas aquinas and also uh saint augustine basically appear that they are theologically sound and suggest that suicide is indeed a sin, okay? But the question is, is it unforgivable? And does it affect an individual's eternal destination is the big question. Um, again, he, he notes that our good behavior does not get us to heaven, just like our simple behavior does not send us to hell. 
And he quotes Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He continues to note that we all are born dead in our sins, which we talked about earlier, going back to the fall, uh, separated from God with no hope of eternal life. Uh, Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, in sin my mother conceived me. Only through the death and resurrection of Christ can we have an opportunity to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. When an individual comes to a saving faith in Jesus, they are basically they are made righteous and forgiven for every sin, past, present, and future, including suicide, explains Dr. Stanford. And again, he references Ephesians 1, 7-8. In him we have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he had made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He continues to explain that that individual, for whatever reason, dies by suicide, they are ushered into the presence of Christ because they are a redeemed child of God. And this is the one we all should know probably is John three sixteen, Right. Which basically states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But it goes on to John three seventeen. If you look, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he closes in basically saying that suicide is not the determining factor for eternal life, but a saving faith in, in Jesus is. Right. right. Like that. And that's an important as far as what I feel is the difference between a man-centered theology and a God-centered theology. It is grace mm-hmm. that saves us. Christ alone. And um, we are not saved. And then he says, okay, you're, you're on your own mm-hmm. from here on out. I, I cleaned you up. I got you on on the road to salvation. Now you finish the the case, mm-hmm. and it's the fact of our past, present, future, because it's not us who saves us mm-hmm. ourselves. It is unmerited favor that we get, and therefore, um, the the legitimate arguments that people have, or the wrestlings that they've had, you know, well, suicide is is self murder, as it was called for many mm-hmm. many centuries, um, but again. Was it a rational, was a sin that is unforgivable? We already know in the scripture it clearly tells us there's only one sin that's unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And that is the rejection of Christ, particularly the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. during that time. Mm-hmm. He tells us that. Mm-hmm. And so all sins are forgivable, mm-hmm. including suicide. Mm-hmm. I tell you, he, um, as far as the, some of the things he talks about, I, I really like uh, his book in a way that he basically, he brings in characters from the Bible, you know, right. some of our biblical heroes, so forth. Um, he talks about some of the things as far as some of the th- principles that we can learn uh, from reports of suicidal behavior in the Bible, so forth. And having faith does not guarantee that during times of extreme distress, an individual will not consider it a suicide as a way out, so forth. He talks about Moses, you know, he talks about Elijah, talks about Job, or some of the most reverend heroes of the faith, yet they became hopeless and long for death. And, you know, when, when you start, you know, going back to the scripture and reading some of those things, as far as if you look at Moses, um, you know, it's kind of hard to believe Moses, the Ten Commandments, you know, a hero. You know, he had reasons for suicide ideations, and it was basically brought on by the stress of his le- leadership, you know, leading his, um, Israelites out. I think another person um, is the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, uh, he speaks about the tremendous stresses that they were under, the persecutions, mm-hmm. being abandoned by people of faith even. Right. And he said, we were pressed out of measure even that we despaired even of life, but we did not take our lives because we put our focus back a biblical response to that. We looked at uh, what Christ could do. But the point is, is that even the Apostle Paul, what a great hero of the faith he is, is that he even despaired of life at mm-hmm. one point. Yeah. I tell you, and it's and it's really interesting how God, what God's response was. You know, again, um, going back to Moses so forth, as far as God appointed others to help lead, he sent quail for the people, you know, and you can reference that to Numbers 11, 10 through 17. Um, but it always seems to show up, you know. It's, you well, that's it, a good point that you bring up because I think of Elijah. Elijah had served the Lord faithfully. He had served the Lord, uh, particularly he had gone through tremendous uh, persecution. The king hated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told him that everybody uh, thinks that you've troubled Israel. And he said, I haven't troubled Israel. You have troubled Israel. Mm-hmm. He spoke faithfully for the Lord. And then he uh, stood against the, the prophets of Baal and that tremendous working of God. The rain came. He uh, ran back into Samaria and where Jezebel, son of messenger, had said that may the gods do to me if in by the next day, if, if they don't, if by this time, that you aren't the same as mm-hmm. those prophets of Baal. In other words, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he takes off. He right. runs. And he runs into the wilderness, and the point that you touched on a little mm-hmm. bit about Moses, where God showed up with Elijah, he didn't get what the program, what is your problem, mm-hmm. I've been with, no, he's, he's softly and tenderly, first of all, he gives him water, gives mm-hmm. him uh, a meal, and he says, you need to strengthen yourself, Has sends an angel to minister mm-hmm. to him, sends him in, and even when he encounters him again, he says, Elijah, what are you doing here, mm-hmm. in a soft, still mm-hmm. voice? And it just shows that compassion. And that's that's what we need to do, too, is because, uh, quite honestly, some of us who don't have mental health issues, mm-hmm. we can almost have an attitude of superiority and mm-hmm. saying, get with the program. You know, yeah, everybody has troubles. You know, uh, shake it off. You know, want to slap them around and say, hey, g- get over it. Let's, mm-hmm. let's you know, let, let's go forward here. When in reality, we need to look at the examples that our Heavenly Father has, is that He was loving, tender, mm-hmm. compassionate, and dealt with grace. Which again, back to Dr. Stanford's book, his title of the book is aptly named, yes. Grace for the Afflicted. Exactly. And and he deals with clinical and biblical perspective on mental illness. It's not just clinical, but it's also biblical. And for those of you that are uh, pastors and Christian workers out there, I want to encourage you that this is a very, very critical issue that we have been, quite honestly, we've been uh, our head in the sands on. Mm-hmm. And we just can't say that it's demon activity. It may be at certain mm-hmm. times, but there are instances that, again, that Dr. Stanford brings out very articulately, very soundly, that speaks about instances in the scripture that are demon possession. Mm-hmm. But there are also instances where it's mental illness mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with demons, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I would I would say that um, some of the help that we need to get people is to help them to observe things. For instance, yes, it's important for us to consider 
is that person truly a believer? Mm-hmm. Do they really have hope? Uh, do they really have purpose in life? And and that's, you know, the scripture tells us that we need to do that. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. I think we need to also understand that the nature of his or her conflict is supernatural conflict mentally as well, and that they need prayer. You know, Ephesians 6 talks about that. First Peter chapter 5, that, you know, uh, be sober, be vigilant for your, your adversary, like a roaring lion is roaming about seeking whom he may desire devour Uh, not only that we need to help them to understand that they're not alone the Lord will never leave them nor forsake them and that's so important in fact I love that passage in Hebrews 13 verse 5 and 6 that not only says I will never leave thee nor forsake thee but then it goes in the next verse and talk about that he will be your help Mm -hmm. in time of, of trouble and we also need to understand that in this all this picture Satan has a huge arsenal and Satan desires to destroy life. Jesus told us that he is the one who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Not just a physical, but mental, emotional, mm-hmm. social. Job 1 and 2. We could read that. Where Here is another saint where uh, I think Dr. Sanford even refers to him. The fact that he had thoughts of suicide. Where he had his family destroyed. He had his home destroyed. He had his possessions. Even his wife abandoned him. And yet, um, we need to understand the Satan's behind that. And this life and death struggle is a mental and spiritual battle that has got to be won in our minds. And so, helping them to have a good, solid mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, it talks about the idea of uh, bringing every thought into captivity under the obedience of Christ. And uh, to stand up against those strongholds. Uh, so... Uh, I would again say that uh, there is ample, ample examples in the scripture of saints that we would say, man, those are really godly heroes of the faith. I I think another one that Dr. Stanford brings up is Samson. Samson, uh, he was was a real character. Uh, He did some very, uh, we would say, immoral things. And yet, uh, you would even say to the average person, do you think Samson is heaven? Uh, and he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. It was it was actually vengeance against mm-hmm. his enemies. And yet, if you read Hebrews chapter eleven, it says he's one of the heroes of faith. Mm-hmm. Yep. So again, that's about grace. Right. That's what we need to remember. Right. I tell you, um, that's a great point. I've just kind of uh, listened to what you're saying as far as um, devil, basically, you're saying coming after your mind, and um, basically. He comes after our mind through five different uh, attacks on humans, and um, basically it comes from he 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 comes through temptation, deception, accusation, infirmity, and possession. So three of those five temptation, deception, accusation. He's coming after your mind. If he can get your mind, he can pretty much get all the others, so forth. But that's how strongly he wants to get to attack you. Yeah, and it goes way back to the garden. When he immediately goes to Eve and he starts questioning her in her mind, mm-hmm. did God really say? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And uh, so I think that we need to understand that here we are several thousand years later, even after the redemption of Christ, but there is still that process that until we step into glory, we're battling the battle for the mind, the battle for the body, the battle for the soul, and Satan's right in the center there. And he uses different aspects 
the world, the flesh, and the devil, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know, all the temptation right. of the world. Right. Uh, a second point that uh, Dr. Stanford basically um, talks about as far as some of the principles that we can get out of, of this is basically God promises to comfort those in distress who feel hopeless. God drew near to each individual in the Bible who considered suicide when they called out to him in their distress. He did not rebuke them for their suicidal thoughts, but offered them physical and spiritual comfort and support. And you mentioned that with Elijah and right. so forth. Uh, sec- uh, the third point, basically, the Bible does not condemn those who commit suicide, but in many instances, it reports that the individual was shown honor after their death. He continues to note that the suicide does not appear to have been an event that would tarnish a righteous individual's legacy in biblical times. You've mentioned that with Samson. Samson. It's like that. And then the fourth, finally, suicide does not disqualify an individual from eternal life from God. Samson, as we mentioned before, is our best example for this principle, which you talked. He struggled staying true to his faith and ultimately took his own life. And the Bible records him in Hebrews 11, which is the real call of faith. That's what you had uh, made reference to. So, um, as we close, um, Dr. Stanford basically closes knowing that gospel is a message of forgiveness, redemption, and hope. When psychological distress overwhelms an individual and the person takes their life, our response should be one of grace toward their legacy while showing sympathy and compassion toward their family. The gospel makes no room for fear, shame, and condemnation. We must do the same in the church when we lose a brother or sister to mental illness. And so, Dr. Uh, Dr. Dr. Dan, <laughs> Pastor oh, Dan, thank you, thank yeah, you. yeah, thank you, thank you very much. I just got my honorary degree. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyway, if you could close uh, with some of your closing thoughts as far as reaching, talking to those people who uh, either had had a family member commit suicide, a, a loved one commit suicide, or a friend, and just kind of um, kind of give them a a, a gold nugget type deal that they can hold on to a, a hope they can hold on to as far as just some of your closing well a lot of times that there's a lot of questions that are unanswered why uh, what could I have done differently and I think one of the things that's very important is that um, we can answer is say to them is that only God knows only God knows and uh, the comfort can be in the fact that um, we live our lives from this point on trying to send that message to others, um, you know, lighting the light in the darkness, so to speak. Uh, I know in our local city here, we have um, awareness, suicide awareness, uh, and there's a walk in the city mm-hmm. park that we have and constantly trying to not only remember the the legacy or the, the memory of a family member, but also what could we do to try to help those that are struggling with it mm-hmm. now? I do think that um, that three major areas that need to be addressed is substance abuse. Uh, we need to understand that that is one of the side effects of substance abuse is uh, people that will eventually get to the hopeless situation. They can't find a way out of the darkness and they want to end it. Mm-hmm. They want to end the suffering, the pain. Another one is chronic illness. Uh, chronic illness is another one where we're finding more and more of those that are 50 and older that are taking their lives, Alzheimer's, uh, seeing a loved one go through that, uh, that uh, that this type of suffering and that we need to reach out to those with the hope that they can get, first of all, seek out the best help you can and not be silent about it. Just continue on. Uh, 
I think the other thing is prayer. Mm. Uh, prayer is so essential, and many times we try everything else first, and then, well, everything else has failed, let's try prayer. When in fact, that if we will seek out the Lord, He is one who helps the helpless, mm -hmm. um, those that cry out. And I think also, uh, as you mentioned about your brother, uh, David Wells, who speaks out very strongly about bullying, uh, we are living in a very cruel society. And particularly kids see that very early mm -hmm. on, the cruelty that is going on and the pressure that goes on. And parents need to be aware to expect it of their kids and help them to be able to stand by reinforcing that they're valuable, reinforcing that doesn't matter about their brains, mm -hmm. their brawn, their physical, mm -hmm. their their beauty, their their uh, buddies, their I call it the five Bs, um, or their bucks. You know the mm -hmm. money they have. They are valuable because they're created in the image of God, and we need to reassure people that. Sometimes we need to understand ourselves that we need to not be so enamored with the outside of the person. But as it says in First Samuel, man looketh on the outside, but God looketh on the heart. And we need to, to, to reach out to those. The other thing that I think is important that I, I want to leave is that there'll be some who are struggling with it, especially those that have suicidal thoughts, that sometimes their reaction is, is that like a hurt animal, they'll want to be left alone. They'll be a loner. They'll be very quiet. They'll say, there's no problem. They'll try to get in the corner, so to speak, and ask you to leave them alone. And you can't. Don't leave them alone. You need to reach out to them. Because down deep inside, they're saying, I'm telling you I, I want to be left alone. But inwardly, I'm saying, please don't give up on me. Mm -hmm. Please, you know, constantly reinforce. I, 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 need, I need you. I've had several who have dealt with. And they said, I know I told you that but I'm glad you didn't give up on mm -hmm. me. Don't give up on these folks there. Amen. So. I tell you, is, um, if there's someone out there who needs a little bit more counseling or direction or prayer, um, do you have contact information that, that may be like a website or email or something like that? Maybe get a hold of you. I mean, we talked about as far as Dr. Gibbons and Michael Moore having the Counseling and Wellness Center in the three different locations is basically have one in... Um, Belpery, Ohio. They have uh, two in West Virginia, one in Parkersburg, and also one in Taze Valley. But you can go to their website, Counseling and Wellness Center. Just Google it, and that'll direct you right to their path and so forth. But I didn't know if you'd be interested in giving that information uh, if someone has a, a question or concern or something that we didn't mention here, but needs maybe needs a little bit more help. Yeah, it, it, I'm. I'm not a professional mm -hmm. counselor, but uh, I do give biblical counseling right. and, and encourage. Uh, uh, if there is questions or uh, something that just needs clarity or something, mm -hmm. that'd be more than happy to have them contact me, and I, I can give uh, my email address. Mm -hmm. They can contact me at that. I think another person that I'd like to recommend is uh, at uh, Westbrook mm -hmm. here Health Services, and there's a, a Christian fellow by the name of Tim Bear. Mm -hmm. Tim Bear. Bear is B A E R. A really solid guy, and uh, he is a friend of Tim Kraft, who you've right. had on the podcast in the previously, right. who deals with substance mm -hmm. abuse. But Tim Bear is a professional uh, counselor with Westbrook uh, Health Services, Mental Health Services, here in Parkersburg, 
and uh, you can contact him by getting on Westbrook's uh, website right. and he can direct you to the proper right. help that you need and professional help my web, uh, my uh, my uh, email address is just simply lowercase is Bible Baptist four number four mm-hmm. at juno.com and uh, I'll try to answer right. you as quickly as possible I think the biggest thing is basically don't be alone you know absolutely get help whether it be through a friend family member pastor um, your doctor family doctor or a healthcare wellness mental wellness uh, specialist so forth um, but anyway um, if there's I really appreciate Pastor Dan coming on and speaking on this difficult topic I mean it, it was difficult um, but I want to basically um, if there's something that you may have a question or there might be something in the health and wellness arena uh, if you're interested in us doing a little bit of research and uh, speaking on that you can always uh, email, email me at Eagle, Eagles Way Ministries at gmail.com and that's Eagles Way Ministries at gmail.com and I'd be more than happy to see what we can do for you or help you out in that situation but until next time Keep advancing. Thank you for listening to Saurian Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells and his guests. We would like to thank our sponsor, Mountaineer Chiropractic. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Saurian Health and Wellness podcast, please go to the web at eagleswayministries.org and select the patron page in the top menu bar. If you or your business or church would like Dr. Steve Wells to speak at your church, special event, or conference, please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select contact on the menu bar. Or send an email to eagleswayministries at gmail.com or call 304-485-6589. Until next time, think of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.